Yo, what is going on, everyone? What is cooking? This is scriptwriter Steve. You reached my podcast, Barbecue to Movies. Today is December 11th, 2021. It is currently 2.52 a.m. Whoa, 2.52 a.m. in the morning. Wow, it's really, really early or really, really late. How did the hell did that happen? Well, I know exactly how it happened. I went biking today, Had a, you know, did my work, went biking, got really tired, decided I was going to take a nap at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., and then I woke up at around 12 a.m., and I'm up wide awake right now, so I gave myself jet lag without even leaving the island. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. I, you know, after I finish this podcast, I'll probably keep fixing photos right now. And, uh, you know, I'm just wide awake. I'm, I'm not even tired right now. Oh, boy. This is, this is bad, people. This is really, really bad. I, I, I think I have to maybe, I think I'll put on Dune. Because Dune, that movie just puts me to sleep. I mean, talk about, if, you, if you're suffering from insomnia, just watch an, you know, that, that movie Dune. And, you know, trust me, it'll put you to bed right away. Because it's one of the most boring movies, overrated movies out there in the entire world. That's my opinion. That's really my opinion. It's super, super, uber, 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 times a million, boring. All right, so what's on my mind today? I mean, what do I have on my mind today? Well, there's a lot that has been brewing. Um, Number one, (laughs) well, first of all, Jussie Smollett is guilty, right? We all know that now. And the whole left, they're just covering themselves, going crazy. And it's, you know, it's really just so strange watching the the left-wing media just completely crumble before our very eyes because their candidate, Joe Biden, (laughs) <laughs> you know, and his cohorts, uh, they're just completely ruining our country. They, they're ruining, you know, they're ruining our energy sector, my business. They're ruining everything from tourism to the handling of, of COVID. More people have died under Joe Biden, right? And this is during the same, you know, the same period of, of, of time uh, when, when Joe Biden took office and when Trump took and when Trump was in office, more people died of COVID with COVID of COVID or what, however you want to say. Um, and that's given that's given that Joe Biden actually had access to vaccines, uh, synthetic antibodies like like Regeneron and uh you know, a lot more information about how to handle COVID out there. And why Why are a lot more people dying from COVID? Well, the number one reason is because Dr. Fauci is pushing the vaccine and he's not allowing doctors to treat patients. So the majority of, I mean, here's the thing. The majority of, 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 uh, of people out there who get COVID are going to live, right? And you just have to treat the majority of them, uh, I guess, in advance before COVID spreads to other organs. That's what you want to do. You want to keep it, you know, from infecting your lungs or infecting your brain, infecting other organs, and then avoiding a catastrophic breakdown of your entire body. And that's what happens. And there are some people who are, who are suffering from long COVID. You know, the long COVID is when you have, you know, your, because COVID has just spread out through your entire body, including your brain. And now people are just suffering from, you know, symptoms that are even unrelated to COVID because it infected their whole body and all of their, all of their organs are just having a hard time recovering. I mean, it's, it's a true thing out there. And I just feel so bad for all the people out there who are just so ignorant 
ignorant of all the different available treatments such as ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine with zinc and azithromycin, uh, you know, Regeneron, you know, quercetin and zinc as a prophylactic. Uh, you know, there's so many things out there which we can have. And now that we have a new variant, Omicron, on the horizon, they're still not pushing quercetin and zinc and you know if you want to know more about it look at my previous podcast that go all about it there's studies studies and studies that show quercetin quercetin and zinc actually work in fighting covid and guess what it works even better as a prophylactic because if you have this stuff in your blood all around circulating the minute you get like omicron inside your nose and it goes into your blood you know all of a sudden it starts killing it immediately so isn't that good news that's really great news, right? But no, Dr. Fauci wants to ignore this NIH study because he wants to keep pushing the vaccines. And by the way, Omicron out there is less deadly than the Delta variant, much less deadly. And this is, I think this will be maybe probably the, the last variant out there. It looks to be because it's going to spread to almost everyone. The majority of us, of us will probably get it and not even know it. If you're on quercetin and zinc, you'll be fine. I, I can almost guarantee you that. And, you know, again, I'm not a doctor, but I tell you what, I've been, you know, I have so many people who I know who are on quercetin zinc and zinc who are on the front lines working with COVID patients, working with, you know, again, like Pitmaster Keith, working on the front line in the supermarket, right? Again, he, he probably talked to so many people with COVID and cloth masks don't work, right? And then on top of that, you know, he worked at the height of COVID, never got it, never, ever got it. And we have quercetin and zinc probably to, probably to thank. All right. So what's on my mind right now? So there's this woman. Um, her name is Nicole Wallace. Now, I'm not sure if you know who she is, but she's, the, she's a very good looking um, older woman. I would say she's around 49 or 50 years old. And uh, she's on MSNBC. She's one, of the, she's one of the pundits over there, but she actually has some very good looks to herself and all that. Um, she used to be a former, well, she is a former Republican. She still advertises herself as a Republican, but she is totally anti-Trump. Now, why exactly? Well, I'm not sure. I think a lot of it is because she's not too bright. Now, here's what... I have some problems with her, but here's what my main problem is, uh, is that <laughs> she goes around out there spreading fake news. She's out there saying that Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney, who was a no-talent person who got, her, got into office uh, writing the coattails of her daddy's name, Right, yeah, and uh, and and she's saying that Liz Cheney knows the only way to save the GOP is by destroying Trumpism and burning it to the ground. So this got me thinking: What do they believe is Trumpism or Trumpism? They spell it two ways: T R M P I Y I S M or T R M U M P I S M. They say it both ways. So, what exactly is Trumpism? Why don't we just call it Trumpism? Well, I've never heard of that before. I think it's maybe a derogatory way to actually phrase, the, uh, I guess, everything that um, President Trump believes in. But what does President Trump believe in? Lower taxes, lower regulations, energy independence, a strong southern border, you know, good deals, good deals that put, good trade deals that put America uh, 
uh, I guess, first rather than the other countries first. He believes that NATO and all the countries involved with, involved with NATO should pay their fair share. And he, involved, and he also believes that China is responsible for this entire coronavirus stuff. And he also believes that you shouldn't kneel you know, for when the, when the national anthem is played. He believes in patriotism. And there's nothing wrong with patriotism. He believes in Christmas and that, and that we should be saying Merry Christmas more often, not Happy Holidays. He also believes that, that, um, that transgender should not compete in women's sports because they're actually men who have a physical advantage over women. What's, what's wrong with that, right? And he also believes in, I guess, pro-life movements because he, also, he believes that life out of everything, we should always have a bias toward life when it comes to protecting the life of a child, right? And also the mother, right? We, we cannot give the right to murder a single baby because that's what it actually is. Now, I mean, you know, I know a lot of you out there may be pro-choice, but I'll just throw this entire idea out there. If a pregnant woman is actually killed, right? Just actually killed, um, we, we can prosecute that murderer for two murders, right? Killing the baby and then killing the mother. Now, if that mother decides to go to an abortion clinic, all of a sudden that because she has decided to kill the baby, apparently it's okay. Why is it murder when it's when it's someone else does it? Like, you know, like if, if a person actually kills kills a baby, stabs stabs a woman in the stomach, right, and the knife penetrates and kills the baby, why is that, and kills the mother, why is that killing two lives versus when an abortion doctor takes forceps and pulls that baby's limb apart, apart from each other one by one because that's how they do it, right? Especially in, especially in late-term abortions, they pull that limb one by one by one and they deliver the baby dead and they have to count all the pieces outside to make sure they have the little arms all left there and make sure there's no organs left over there inside the woman, inside the mother. Why is that not killing the baby? And why, and why should we try to protect that baby's life that just got their limbs pulled apart? You know, if you ever seen a picture of it and, and seen them describe it, I think you would change your opinion out there. So... Anyway, that's what Trump stands for. Now, what is wrong with that? And, and, let, and let's just call it Trumpism. What is wrong with it? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Why is Liz Cheney trying to destroy that? If the Republicans did not, the Republican movement, I mean, let me get this straight. Republicans have always stand, stood for low taxes, low regulation, you know, Christian rights, pro-choice, you know, pro-Israel, you know, strong borders, good trade deals. We have always stood for those things. But here's the thing. The, the, the Republicans have only ran on those issues. They've actually never applied those issues in, in person. They've just said, hey, if we, we're going to run, run on these issues. And when it comes time to actually deliver our promises to, to our, actually, our constituents, we're not going to do that. Those promises were not delivered under George Bush. Senior, George Bush Jr., not at all. And even to a point, Reagan did not deliver on it as much as Trump did. Not at all. Not at all. So who is actually the true conservative out here? It's Donald Trump. Every single... Now, every... I know a lot of you may not like him, but I can tell you this. Every single conservative ideal 
was delivered by the former President Trump, 45, and he fulfilled in every single campaign promise that he did, including building a wall on the southern border. Do you get that? He actually even, George Bush promised that. George Bush Bush promised a wall. We didn't get that. Mitt Romney didn't want the wall. Mitt Romney, you know, is considered a conservative, even though he's very much a liberal. I mean, Mitt Romney is all for global warming and open border, you know, high, you know, high taxes. He's just a, he's a rhino, a Republican in name only, a guy who is just out there to get elected because he is actually a no-name talent. He, he, he really doesn't have talent. Bain Capital, I'm sorry, I was a Mitt Romney supporter before. I am no longer a Mitt Romney supporter before because you know, the more I researched into him, it's just bad. Bain Capital, the company which he report, which he, he, he did run before, do you know what they actually did? They took a company and they forced, a lot of times they forced a company, they bought a company while it was going down, then forced it into bankruptcy and then sold all of its assets in order to turn a profit. That's what they did. That's what Bain Capital did. You know, they weren't venture capitalists. <laughs> they, they, were, they were companies that profited off bankruptcies or even forced companies to go bankrupt. And if a company, if they couldn't force a company to go bankrupt, they would either devalue it, devalue it tremendously and then overvalue it and then sell another company a piece of crap. <laughs> They're not good. They're really, really not good. They're okay. So anyway. <laughs> this woman, Nicole Wallace out there, is just, she advertises herself out to be a true Republican. And she advertises also that Liz Cheney is also a true Republican, along with Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, and a lot of other people out there, you know. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is another one. None of those people who I actually, uh, uh, who I, who I actually recited, names who I, who I recited, are true conservatives. They are Republicans in name only. That's why they're called rhinos. And I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, Nicole Wallace just represents what was wrong with the entire Bush administration. They lied to us. I mean, I supported Bush. I thought George Bush would may, may go down to as one of the best presidents of all time. But now that I look back upon my vote and look back upon my life and, and, and look at his record and what exactly he did, the choices he made, well, it wasn't very good. He was a, he, George Bush was a weakling. I mean, why don't we throw the whole Iraq war thing out of the window, all right? The whole Iraq war thing, that's George Bush's fault. He lied to us about the WMDs, which we should have not gone out of there. You know, uh, but, but why don't you just throw that out, out, out the window right now, okay? What I want to talk about with George Bush was that during his presidency, uh, George Bush realized that there would be a real estate housing crisis um, in the near future. He actually gave a testimony on it. And um, Alan Greenspan testified uh, that there's going to be a, uh, some type of, you know, I guess imminent danger that the, that the housing market was going to collapse uh, that these loans that were being given out were just bad news. He knew about that. George Bush figured it, figured it out. He was very smart. He's not a dummy. But here's what, here's what was wrong. He was weak. All he did was give a testimony, and then he watched, all, he watched it happen right in front of him. 
And that's why the economy collapsed in the last two years of his entire, uh, I guess, of, of his presidency. Was it partially his fault? Heck yeah, because he didn't do anything about it. He didn't say, he didn't put the brakes on these loans and say, wait a minute, let's not do this thing. Let's, let, let, let's, let's stop giving out these, you know, subprime loans because people, people who can't afford it, you know, people are buying homes, uh, are buying homes they can't afford. And they're using these subprime loans to buy a nice home, which they can't afford, and they're living on a very, very short leash. And within three to five years, when that balloon payment would, would come up, and their and if their house that they were living in did not appreciate in value, well, holy smokes, these people were going to be in very big danger. And that's what happened. That's really what happened. And he didn't do anything about it. He just sat by and did nothing, and listened to all of his advisors out there, and just followed. You had a lead, George Bush was a leader of the country, but he just followed. And that's exactly the reason why, you know, he, he got us into the war over there in Iraq. Because he listened to all of his advisors, his, his war-mongering advisors. All right? George Bush was not a leader. He was basically a Republican loyalist. This guy did not have the backbone to lead our country. Now, not to say the Democrats did, and John Kerry was a better choice. He definitely wasn't. But given the choice between John Kerry and George Bush, Bush was the better leader. But you know what? He wasn't a good one. All right. What is this entire podcast going to be about right now? I have something else I want to rant, rant about. I want to rant about, rant about um, Asian hate in America right now. I have a lot to say about that, all right? I'm 100% Chinese. I live in Hawaii. So this whole AAPI movement, or what is it called? Asian American Pacific Islander anti-hate movement. Um, I want to chime in about that, all right? Uh, I think... Uh, I, I think I make it be able to give some perspective to it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read an article from Dance Magazine um, that that um, that was written by another uh, another Asian, um, Christy Jung, about a dance choreographer. Her name is, is Sora Yang, and she's a very very good um, good dance choreographer. And her experiences um, in America dealing with Asian hate. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. And, and, I'm, and I want to comment on it as I read it, all right? So stick around. That I guess my uh, critique of that article is coming up. You won't want to miss it. And uh, here's the commercial break. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's scriptwriter Steve with a shameless plug for my company, Dream Weddings Hawaii. So... If you want to get married in Hawaii, if you want to get your vows renewed in Hawaii, and if you want some family pictures in Hawaii, make sure you check me out. So my website is dreamweddingshawaii.com. So that's dream, weddings with a S, Hawaii spelled out, dot com. Hey, welcome back to my podcast. It's scriptwriter Steve. All right, I am going to be talking about Asian hate today. I think I addressed this subject once before in my previous podcast. It got a lot of attention out there. I got a lot of hate mail for it, by the way. Just to let you know who I am, my name is Steve Young. 
My last name, Y-O-U-N-G, is actually a, an American version of a Chinese name. I believe my Chinese name is pronounced Yung. Uh, I think that's the way it's pronounced. I'm not sure. I'm 100% American. I am not, even though I, my Chinese blood runs through me, I consider myself 100% American. I speak English. I have tried to master the English language. Sometimes I mess up on the English language like everyone else does. Uh, I don't speak any other language. I love my country. I love the United States of America. I don't think America is a systemically racist country. Myself, my own experiences in this country, I have not experienced one drop of racism in this country, and I have been everywhere. I have been everywhere. Uh, now, do I think people hate me because I am Chinese? Oh, of course, because there's dumb people out there. But more people hate me because I'm a Trump supporter. You know, I have to live in the closet and, uh, you know, uh, keep my political views to myself. And that includes my opinion from some of my neighbors and also my relatives. I have to, I have to keep my opinions that I love Trump because they may think I'm a crazy insurrectionist. They may think I'm anti-vax when I am totally pro-vax, but I believe in freedoms. And I also don't believe in being forced to take you know, a medication which is very much experimental to, to actually acquire the rights given to me by this beautiful country. I think that's actually unconstitutional. But because I believe in that, I'm some type of paranoid conspiracy theorist. All right. So, I hate to say this, though. A lot of my Asian brethren out there has basically fallen into the trap of playing victim. And this is something I really, really didn't want to go into or, or see happen uh, with the Asian community out there. Now, first of all, when people say Asian, now, <laughs> that, that category is just so broad now. I can't, I can't even understand why Pakistanis and Indians are actually in the, are, are considered, I guess, are considered Asian. Because when I think of someone who's Asian, I think of someone who looks like me, like has a little, has a little slant to their eyes, a little yellow skinned, right? You know, we're, we're kind of a little more on the petite side for the women. The men are a little more petite. You're not going to find many six foot Chinese. By the way, I don't fit that stereotype. I'm actually six one and a half depending on how I make my hair and what kind of shoes I wear, okay? <laughs> my eyes are a little bit on the big side. I'm not very good at math. In fact, I'm quite horrible at math. I'm uh, not very good at science at all. Uh, but I'm very good at analyzing things, you know? Uh, but I'm not a nerd. I'm not a nerd at all. <laughs> you know, if you ever took a look, you know, my, my in my school, I went to a private school called Hawaii Baptist Academy, and I graduated second to the bottom of the class. And so I don't fit that Asian stereotype at all. Now, who was the top of the class of our, I guess, in, in our, I guess, who was the valedictorian in our class? He was a white guy, cool, very cool white guy, who I kind of always compare to Superman. This guy's like the perfect guy, you know, you know, just loves his country, he was a fighter pilot, and, uh, you know, does, his, his brother does all these great things for, for like the people in Africa, and it's like, man, can he be any more perfect? You know, a good-looking guy too, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, God, where's his cape? You know, can we just find something wrong with him? <laughs> he's too perfect. He's too perfect. But then, you know what? I hate him because he's too perfect. No, I don't hate him. I, I don't hate him. He's a really good guy. But anyway, anyway, I'm going to read to you again. Like what I said before, 
uh, an article from Dance Magazine. Now, it's written, I believe, by a Korean. It could be a Chinese. Uh, her name is Christy Young. And I, I think that sounds Korean, but it could be Chinese. And she's going to write about this, this um, choreographer who, whose name is Sora Yang. All right? Now, I'm not going to read the whole entire article. But this was pretty interesting because the title of this article is as follows. Choreographer Sora Yang raises her voice against stereotypes of Asian women. Okay, so I want to know what the stereotypes are. I, I really want to know what those, I mean, what those actually are. Now, when I think of Asian women, what do I think of? I think of petite women. Uh, it really depends on what type of Asian woman you're talking about. If I'm thinking about a Korean woman, I'm thinking of a very, very strong-minded, opinionated woman who just loves Louis Vuitton purses and loves to look good and even also has no problem with plastic surgeries and thinks that they always have to fix their nose. That's a Korean. Um, as far as the Chinese go, I don't really know that much. The Japanese ones, I always think of, you know, uh, Japanese women, they have their very beautiful bodies, uh, very thin, but when they open their mouth and smile, they have the worst teeth in the world. I'm not sure why. So that's my stereotype of Japanese women. Um, Chinese women, it's so hard to say. You know, China is such a very, very big country, but it's really interesting. You can either find very, very good-looking Chinese women and very, very strange and ugly-looking Chinese women out there. Um, what do I find? What, what, what can I stereotype from women coming from China? Well, a lot of them are very much image-oriented. And in fact, Asian women, when they come from China, uh, Korea, and Japan, they're very, very much image-oriented. Very, very, very much. But the Chinese seem to be more, more um, I guess, image-oriented than the others, even though Koreans are pretty much image-oriented. But that's about it. That's my, that's my stereotype of them, all right? So I'm going to read this article, and then I'm going to comment as things go on, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll, I'll kind of, I'll probably jump around here and there, but I'm going to start with the first paragraph, go down, and then I want to talk about, and then what's really interesting is that she talked about, I guess, um, she, she talks about the, the um, racism that she actually experienced as an Asian. All right. So here we go. I'm going to start reading now. Although choreographer Sarah Young travels the world teaching her power pack style of hip hop, and runs her own company, and was featured by Dance Magazine as one of our 25 to watch this year, she is often underestimated because of the way she looks. Throughout her career, she has spoken out against the racism and misogyny that devalues Asian women. The current rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, AAPI, has strengthened her resolve to raise her voice for social change. Okay, so let me comment on this now. Now, I really don't like it when they group in all of us into one category of Asians, right? Because again, all Asians are not the same, all right? And Asian Americans, they have grouped it into another category with Pacific Islanders. So why are they grouping in Samoans and Tongans in with Asian, Amer with Asian Americans? So why, why are Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, and now we're including Indians and Pakistanis, all of a sudden grouped together with Samoans and Tongans? Because that's what a Pacific Islander actually is, right? Or even Hawaiians. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Because, you know, you're not going to stereotype a Hawaiian woman is very much different. A titta. We call them tittas in Hawaii. They're a local titta. is very much different than an than a Japanese woman right there, or or a Korean, you know, oh, 
I should get my friends who are Korean on. You you get a taste of of how alpha a, a Korean woman actually is. So so many of them are just so alpha. They, it, the men in Korea are more feminine than than the than the Korean women. Oh, the Korean women. Whew, you know, my, my my good friends are are Korean women, and they boss me around. Right, I just thought, you know, and, 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 I, and, I, and I don't want to upset them because they come on strong. They're really, really strong. Okay. Anyway, so she recently spoke with Dance Magazine about her experiences with prejudice and how she uses dance to spread her message. Ooh, so she's going to solve racism with dance. Isn't that great? So the first question goes, how do you see dance fitting into the larger Conversation about racism. Hmm, that's a hard-hitting question here. She answers, When someone shares their story through dance, there's something so powerful and real about it. It helps illustrate the humanity behind those social justice issues, which helps others gain empathy for people's different experiences. So they finally see, finally see the need for change. To be fair, it's not 100% up to the dancers to save the world, but art really does heal society. Really? So you're going to solve racism through dance? I mean, really, wow. That, she could pirouette really well or just shake her booty really well or do that hip-hop moves really well, that two-step and all that. Oh, I'm just going to stop hating Asians. I just, I, I'm, I'm just going to stop. Really? Are you kidding me? Okay. All right, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to calm down. Calm down, calm down. Moving on. Sometimes I get discouraged by how small I feel in relations to this universe. I'll think, what is a dance video going to do to fight systemic racism? It can be hard to tackle, but if I scale it down, I realize that these conversations about anti-Asian violence and about intersection of misogyny and racism connect to my own experience as an Asian woman. The microaggressions I've experienced my entire life aren't just rude remarks here and there. They lend to the invisibility and disposability of women and can evolve into the worst-case scenario that we've seen and recently witnessed, the murder of Asian women. Huh? What? What, Asian women are getting, like, like killed every left and right? When? Since when? What? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? This is typical victimhood mentality here all right this is what's this is the problem with you know young the, the youth these days they're a victim because oh they're asian right oh she can she say what kind of asian she is i'm getting really confused here anyway going on okay the question is on instagram you recent you recently alluded to microaggressions you faced can you elaborate on your on your experience as a dancer Oh, okay, this is going to be good. Here we go. My dancing has always been shaped by how I feel internally, which is strong and capable. By my, but my external experience, no, hold on. But my external appearance as an Asian woman means I am perceived by American society very differently. We have these prejudices that Asian women are submissive, obedient, weak, things I don't identify with. I was raised thinking I can do anything, and that's how I dance. I've always felt comfortable expressing myself through powerful, hard-hitting, fast choreography, qualities that are traditionally, for whatever, re whatever reason, associated with male dancing, whatever that means. 
Yeah, what, what does that mean? What, <laughs> Madonna dances very, very powerful. Janet Jackson dances very, very powerful. A lot of black women dance very, very powerful. A lot of Asian people dance very, very powerful. Look at all the K-pop people and all. They, they all dance very, very powerful. What? <laughs> okay, all right. Moving on. Throughout the years, when I share my faster pieces online, there's always comments accusing me of speeding it up. But I rarely see male choreographers getting accused of altering their work. Oh, so when people accuse you of speeding it up, that's a form of racism, right? Those are just people hating on you. I'm sorry. When I post wedding videos online, people hate on it and say, oh, those two couples are too good looking. Oh, those two couples, when they said their vows, it didn't look like they meant it. People are just freaking trolls online. All right, little girl? Stature also comes into play. I'm five feet tall. I've walked onto sets as a choreographer, but no one on the production staff talks to me and instead defers to a tall male dancer when I'm literally standing right there. I've had other experiences as a choreographer, like getting pet on my head by a dancer while he said, you're so cute, as if he was talking to a baby or a puppy. It feels dehumanizing and condescending. It reminds me that even if I am the authority in the room, people are not used to seeing someone who looks like me in that way. All right. Now, I do know that short people don't like to be pat on the head. I have a lot of short friends, you know, you know a lot of short Asians and all that and I've grown up around. They don't like to be pet on the head as though they're, uh, though they're, as though they're a puppy. They don't. They really don't. That has nothing to do with race. That just has something to do with them being short. You know, they don't want, they don't want you to talk down to them, all right? That's it. None of what she talked about here is because she's actually Asian. All right. And a lot of times people are going to talk to the tallest person in the room or anything like that because tall people do get attention. All right. That's just, that's just the, that's just the fact about it. And again, sometimes you may have males who want to talk to other males and everything, everything like that. Now, that doesn't mean it, that person is racist. It just means that maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they had no idea that she was a choreographer. You know, just because she's five feet tall, a lot of times, you know, a lot of people may, may, not, may not actually think that she's actually the choreographer. All right? Nothing to do with racism. You know, maybe something to do with height. All right? Maybe it has something to do with, you know, a guy likes to talk to another guy. Right? That's about it. But that's not misogyny. That just means that they're more comfortable talk to, talking to another person. All right? That's it. That's really, really it. Now, are there misogynists out there? Oh, yeah. Again, are there racists out there? Oh, yeah. Could she have possibly experienced it and in a form of racism? Oh, yes, definitely. But what she's explaining here, depending on the head... That's not, and saying, you're so cute, that's not a form of racism. Okay, she continues. You are constantly reminded of how others see you based on these microaggressions. Oh, keyword, microaggressions. And it's always at war with what you know to be true to yourself. But that's why it's so important for me to continue even when I doubt myself because I understand what I represent. I am an Asian woman who is a leader or choreographer, a business owner, 
It's not common, and that needs to change. Hello? There are a lot of Asian women, you know, business owners out there. Hello? <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? My makeup artist, she, she's from China. She owns her own business. I have my, uh, my, my limo driver right there. She owns her own limo company, all right? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? Right? I, I have so many Asian friends who own their own businesses. Okay, this is, this is where it gets kind of very strange. In what ways have you used dance to help enact change? And she answers, on an artistic level, I think just continuing to be fully myself is important because I still don't see enough people who look like me in influential spaces and, uh, and, main, and mainstream culture. I can yell from the rooftops that I'm strong and capable, but it's hard to convince people by just saying it. If I can show people through my art, dance, hopefully that can shift their perspectives. And that can be a catalyst for actual change. Oh, so she's basically enacting change by just going to work and doing her job. Hello? All right. I'm not sure how, how I'm going to continue this. There's one more, there's one more question I'll go, go on, and then, and then I'm just going like, to stop this whole article. How have you turned to dance in light of the recent rise in anti-AAPI hate crimes and the tragic murders in Georgia? And she answers, dance is so therapeutic. It's my meditation and release. It has always been a way for me to conquer a lot of doubts and insecurities. Right now, I feel empowered to be louder, stand firmer, and be more confident about the things I've always tried to share through my art. In the past, I spread messages about my experiences and as an Asian woman, being, un un being underestimated and promoted and promoting female empowerment because I knew there were girls out there who could relate, and I could empower others to speak their truths as well. The difference now is that people who aren't just women or Asian women are listening. It's unfortunately because something so tragic happened. I'm proud that a lot of the, of the Asian community finally feels empowered to speak out on our experiences with racism in America, something a lot of us didn't feel comfortable speaking about before because it felt like no one cared or believed us. Now, she did not ex explain one form of racism in this entire article. Now, I'm not going to read the whole entire article because there's, no, there's none, all right? This is basically the end. But when, they, when that question was proposed to her, you know, again, what type of examples of Asian hate have you actually uh, experienced? All she you know, talked about was getting pet on the head and, you know, going, going to a set and saying, oh, you know, this person didn't talk to me. Instead, they talked to the guy. That's about it. Right. And she said, oh, I felt like, you know, you know, I was getting, you know, stereotyped because I'm short. Well, maybe so because you're short, but not because you're Asian. You know, oh, I'm not, you know, you're not being dehumanized at all. When you say you're so cute, that doesn't mean they hate you, right? They're doing something that, okay, fine, that, that you feel very offended by. But that does, that, what they're doing is not coming from a place of hate when, you, when they say you're so cute because you're short and you're a petite Asian woman. That's your problem. That's completely your problem. Again, have I experienced any Asian type of hate in America? No. One of my friends, she's a very, very beautiful girl. She's, she's Korean, 100% Korean from, 
from South Korea, big time Trump supporter, by the way. She has never experienced any type of Asian hate whatsoever. I've talked to her about this over and over again. And but what has she experienced? Well, nothing but Asian love, or actually American love. A little bit too much, because I tell you what, a lot of men love her. A lot of people love her, right? I mean, she has tried to be, she has tried at one time to be, um, uh, I guess, uh, a business person. And, but too many men try to hit on her. And, and they try to use their, bus, their, business, uh, their business-to-business relationship to try to get a date with her. They won't take her serious, you know, because she's actually actually a very, 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 very pretty Asian woman, right? Very, very, very pretty Korean woman. She's too pretty. And sometimes that can actually work against you. And it has nothing to do with her being Asian. It has everything to do with her being so pretty. So when she was trying to be a real estate agent, well, a lot of the men you know, saw that this Asian woman has, is, is hosting an open house and she's extremely pretty. She looks like a supermodel. And all of a sudden now they can actually get her one-on-one to show them around to different homes and all that. And, and they'll say, why don't we go for dinner? Why don't we go for lunch? And all of a sudden she's thinking, wait a minute, are you going to buy a house or not? Why are you spending so much time with me? And where's your wife? Because I know for a fact you're married. And then she finds out, well, wait a minute, you're actually trying to date me. That is the curse of a very, very good-looking woman it has nothing to, do with, nothing to do with Asian, Asian Asian women or at all. But this is what happens with, with, with really, really pretty women. Now, what is my opinion of what happened over there in Georgia? A white guy, he liked Asian women too much, and he actually ended up killing the Asian women because he felt that they're, uh, he was a recovering sexaholic and he felt that they were, they were actually the... the the, the drug that was uh, causing him to relapse into sexual addiction. So he destroyed the cause of his addiction. He loved Asian, Asian women too much. And it had nothing to do with Asian hate whatsoever because the place that he shot up, well, it's an Asian massage parlor. And they're not really giving, you know, on the up and up massages. Why don't we just say that? So, and a lot of people who were killed there, by the way, were actually not Asian. I think only about half of them were. So, you know, it was a tragic thing. It had nothing to do, again, with Asian hate. Uh, The whole Asian hate thing, you know, you know, um, narrative right now that's going around. Guess what? Look, it just disappeared all of a sudden. You're not hearing about it right now. It's gone. Why why are you not hearing about it right now? Because it's not election season. It's going to it's going to actually, you know, you know, uh, if if a Republican gets into office, you're going to know that, oh, all of a sudden, Asian hate, you know, police brutality, you know, systemic racism is all back on board because that's all the Democrats can run on. They can't run on a record of creating an actually a great American country. All right, people, I am out of here. It's 3.37 a.m. in the morning, all right? I need to get to bed. But actually, I'm not going to get to bed. I'm going to go fix photos and everything like that. So anyway... Hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you like it, please subscribe to me. And by the way, again, thank you for all the people who've been booking with me. Um, Really, really appreciate all the business. I'll talk to you soon. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I had fun podcasting. If you like what you hear, please share my podcast. If you can't find me, look on your favorite podcast platform and look for BBQ2Movies. That's BBQ2Movies. T-O movies. 
Yeah, the T.O. is not the number two, by the way. It is T.O., like Terrell Owens. So that's BBQ2 Movies. Catch you around.